0: Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sukamo Church, Ibadan, Nigeria.
1: I wonder if you have ever like dressed up for an occasion and you kind of dressed up wrong. Um, in your mind, you when you dressed up and you looked at you looked at the mirror, you are really hailing yourself like ah uh, don you know, you are happy with yourself. Until you like just got there and maybe you just went out wrong. Maybe you missed what the color was supposed to be. They told you the color for the wedding is burnt orange, so you put fire on your clothes and you know, or just you just missed it in some way or the other. Or maybe you dressed up and wore your tie and suit and you didn't. Know it was a sports hangout, you know, just that kind of thing of it doesn't come out um, right. So it's one thing to be claiming that uh, I'm fine in your house and all of that, but it's a totally different question when you get out, and is it actually the right thing, okay? I think it's similar when people are writing exams and they are leaving the exam hall. You see someone after an exam and you're like, man, how's the exam? (laughs) It was cheap. I got everything. Like, uh, it was very fine, right? You thought till the result came out. You get what I'm saying, right? Um, And then the result comes out and it's like far away. So you think one thing and then you're surprised to you just realize, oh, it's not even what I, I thought. A, a lecturer of mine on campus years ago used to tell us a story about um, a guy who was mentally ill around the Ife area. And they even had a name for him. Can't remember the name. Maybe it was Alex the Madman. Everybody would, you know, every time they're passing and he would carry stones and threaten people. And, you know, everybody would just, Alex the Madman and all of that. And then eventually the guy, um, there was this Ife Modakeke crisis and people were, there was fighting and all and nobody even just saw Alex again and all. And then um, some weeks later, maybe three weeks later, somebody was around Benin, and they just saw him there, carrying stones and all of that. So the person shouted, that Alex, the madman, you have reached here. He said, don't mind those mad people fighting. All right? And it is that you think he is mad, he thinks yeah. you, you are mad. And here's the thing. There's actually this thing in um, mental health where they would, they call anosognosia, um, where it's that people are unaware Of their own mental health illness, right? So you actually think you are fine, um, but you're actually just not fine. So you left saying I'm fine, but apparently it's even a symptom of the illness that you are just not fine. So, what I want to do this morning is for a topic, I want to ask, are you normal, as in real normal? So, help me look at somebody next to you and ask the first person, are you normal? As in real normal. Now one more time, look at the person and say, how do you know? How do you know that it's not just a symptom? How, 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 How do you know? So so last week, we tried to establish that God really cares about our mental health, like he cares about our lives. Um, He cares about everything about us. He really cares. When it comes to our minds, we we learned last week that God really wants to fix us. He wants to fill us right. And that we are not just approaching this conversation as just some, you know, if something critically is, something is critically wrong and all of that. If I I go by the World Health Organization definition, health is a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being. Now, listen and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. So we're not just saying it's something critically wrong. We're saying, are we holistically well, all right? Um, So it's important to remember that God wants us to live full. He wants us to optimize our lives, to be in the full experience of life that he calls us to. He doesn't just want us pushing through, you know, building coping mechanisms. You know how you build coping mechanisms just enough to get you through to another day. You know, during the week I was driving and, and, and my fuel tank had been on, the light had been on for a while, you know. And so so i then said ah let me let me buy foil so i eventually went back so i bought the same amount that i used to buy but the lights did not even go off, you know. So, so is this thing of like enough to, so I know the car is not going to stop, but it's just enough to, you know, is, is that what your mental health looks like? Like we are just topping up, we are surviving, we are not doing anything critically wrong, but see, God wants us to be in a full experience of what he made us for. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23, God thinks of us as body, soul, and spirit. It says God wants to sanctify us completely, spirit, soul, and body, alright? So when, when we think about how that God thinks of us as body, soul, and spirit, a holistic being, then who are we? Who are we to say that some parts of God's creation framework are not as important? So I'm like, if my body is sick, I would really have to get help. But sometimes I'm just thinking with my mind, I can just push on for another day. If I'm just burnt out or if I'm just feeling lonely or if I'm just you know depressed, we'll just go on, go on. Who are we to think that some part of God's creation design is not as important as the other? Who are we to think that we can accomplish the life God called us to live without utilizing all he gave us? to live that life? Who are we to think that some parts of what God equipped us with are not as important for the life that he calls us to live? Again, And who are we to undermine the stewardship when God entrusted something to us? He gave you a body. He gave you a mind. He gave you a spirit. I believe God calls us to be good stewards. So who are we to undermine the stewardship of our minds that he has entrusted us with? Okay, so God cares, you know, just not about what you are doing. He cares about how you are feeling about what you are doing. And that's surprising to me some, Sometimes, that I'm like, God, why do you care about the how of what I'm doing? Psalm 100 and verse 2, it says, serve the Lord with gladness, all right? And I'm wondering, why does God care about how I'm feeling about serving him? I mean, like I serve you, God, and, and I serve you, I'm, I'm serving you. Why, why the gladness part? Like, why does God care about how I'm feeling about what I'm doing. Again, in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I'm like, can't I just be doing these things? He says, no, there must be an all. So what God calls us to is this full life where it's all of us, that we are whole and we can use our whole being in loving him, all right? And so you think about how God even shows up again and again in scripture with those words, fear not. And he wants to tell you to do something, but he would first of all say to you, fear not. I'm like, Why don't you just tell me what you want me to do? God says, I care how you feel doing it. I don't just want you doing things that you say I'm doing what's right, but I'm afraid and my mind is just full of fear and all that pressure and tension. God says, I actually care. It is disobedience at this point for you to be walking in fear, doing what is right. God says, I don't just want you doing what I'm calling you to do. I want you doing it with boldness. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a Sound mind. you know? I asked them in first service. They said um, of a of a useless mind. Anyway, so 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 this is what God cares about. How we feel about what we are doing now. When we look at the statistics, the truth is, it is everything far away from that, and that's understandable because we do live in a very troubled and disturbed world. Um, there is the, the 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 brokenness that comes in our world. the, the World Health Organization says that one in every four Nigerians. That's an average of 50 million people is suffering from a mental illness. One in four. Check out your room. And, and look at the other people in your room. What are your chances of, of not being the one? <laughs> one in four is suffering from a mental illness. So the truth is, we don't even have an idea. The kind of world we live in, there's brokenness, there's pain, there's injustice, there's frustration. And the truth is, these things weigh very heavy. And I'll tell you the truth, for all that we even know, the truth is, there's a lot we don't even know. For everything reported, there's a lot unreported. you get what I'm saying? For everything, you say, I see how wicked people are. There's wickedness we don't even know. It's when we get to heaven one day, we'll be like, ah, ah. ah. And people are wicked. There's bitterness, there's hatred, there's pain, there's injustice and all of that in the world. So it's far from ideal, okay? And so maybe you're here today and you, in some way or the other you have suffered from some sense of pain or maybe even mental stress, something or the other. Maybe you feel like you can't help yourself just when it comes to being anxious or being depressed and all of that. Maybe you feel like you've suffered some loss and there's grief that hits very, very heavy on you. You're just living your life as an expression of that loss. Or maybe it, what you even just deal with is some chronic negativity. You know how we can just become so negative about everything just because of the society we're in and all of that. Whatever it is that you're dealing with today, here's what I want to say to you. Listen, because of Jesus, there is hope for you today. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, the Bible speaking about Jesus says, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness. Now listen to this, by whose stripes you were healed. By the stripes of Jesus, it says we were healed. And I believe that the promise of health and of healing that is in the death and the resurrection and the suffering of Jesus, I believe the promise of health and of healing, is not just about physical sickness, it's not just about spiritual sickness, but I also believe it's about our minds. It's about him bringing wholeness and healing in the place where we have suffered. If you think about it um, when you think of how all the places Jesus bled in his death, his hands and the statement that that represents for our work and his side and what that represents for relations and and you can go on and on and his feet and what that represents for even just our walk and all of that. I also think it's symbolic that Jesus bled from his skull that they placed that crown of thorns on his head. And I think it's a statement over just his blood speaking over our minds and that we don't have to live our lives just in the pressure and the weight of the fear and the negativity and all of that, but that there's a statement of the blood of Jesus over our minds. So somebody say today say by the stripes of Jesus say I am healed. In my spirit, in my body, and in my soul. So today I want to speak to you from one of my favorite passages in the Bible... And um, hopefully it would make some sense for us. So I'm going to be in 1 Kings chapter 3. And it's a story you know, all right, um, about two harlots that came to the king. And they are fighting over the maternity of a child, basically two prostitutes. And um, in verse 17, one of them said, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby while she was there with me. And you know how it goes on that during the night, verse 19, she says this woman's son died and because she lay on him. So she swapped the babies, basically. And in verse 20, and the next morning I got up and I realized, man, something, this is not my child. And so um, she comes now and they had the argument and they come to the king and basically are trying to say, king, what do you say? And so the king said, bring me a sword. And verse 24, and they brought a sword and he threatened to, to divide the child. But the real mother of the baby began to cry out in verse 26, please, no, don't kill her, you know, give him, give it to the other woman. And so the king gave a ruling in verse 27 and said, you know, this is the real mother, don't kill him. And that was the wisdom of Solomon's judgment. But maybe you do know this morning the reality of two voices in this, your same mind, two voices and how it stresses you mentally. Um, you see, the issue here in verse 17 of 1 Kings 3 is that the Bible says, the woman and I, this woman and I live in the same house. So we have two women fighting before the king. One of them is speaking the truth. One of them is speaking the lie. And the reality is that she said those words, we live in the same house. The issue in that house is not the absence of truth. The issue in that house is the presence of an extra voice. It's not the absence of the one speaking truth, it is the presence of the extra, that lying voice. It's truth that is being shouted down by a lie. Maybe you know that reality within your mind. Listen to, to verse 22 in CV. No, the other woman shouted, He was your son. My baby is alive. The dead baby is yours. The first woman yelled, Mine is alive. They argued back and forth in front of Solomon. Do you know those kind of voices arguing in your mind? Shouting back and forth, yelling. And sometimes you are hearing truth, but it's just the yelling that is intimidating. And the thing with our minds in itself is that our minds are pretty neutral. So if we were going to say, this is your mind, and and it's an empty space and all of that, and so we just have, let's say, two different colors, all right? And so it's not the, let's, let's say, this is your good ball, right? Can we say blue for good? Can we do that? Does that work? Okay. So it's not that there isn't truth coming in but it's that there is also um, falsehood, okay? And so it's not the absence of the truth, it's the presence of the extra voice. Our God is a God of truth. Think about it. Our God is a God of truth. He has designed the whole world. He has designed creation. He has designed nature. And he has put his his truth in the world as we look around. The Bible says in Psalm 19 verse 1 that the firmaments, that declare the glory of God, all of his creation. There's God's truth all over the world. Everywhere you look, Romans chapter 1 verse 20, it says that the things that his invisible attributes are clearly seen by the things that he has made. And so there is all of God's truth to look around and to just fill our lives with. It's there. But the truth is that we do live in a real world where the corruption just starts to shout back. You know, that for everything God designed good, there's just a sense of, well, there are one or two things that there's just corruption somewhere around in the world. Um, maybe this morning you walked into service and there is just the sense of the truth about who Jesus is. We're worshiping, this is our God, this is who he is. And there's just that sense of yes, he is good. And you know, it's overwhelming, like there's love in the atmosphere. There is goodness. There is There are people that really actually love me and all of that. But the problem is that we walk out of those doors and there is a real world. There's the badness of systems. There's the badness of people. There's the badness. Some people will just do you, shaggy, shaggy, and all of that. And then it just feels like there's no goodness anywhere. Maybe it's even just in terms of identity questions. You know, there is the goodness of God in how He created them, male and female, made us in His image, and all of that. But of course, you know, there's also a. Sometimes, uh, But of course, there is also a generation that just starts to put out just a lot of sounds and even just in terms of who am I and all of that and, you know, they just start to tell you maybe you need to figure it out. Maybe you feel like you are just a man trapped in a woman's body um, or just a woman trapped in all all that kind of thing, okay? Um, God instituted beautiful sex and he puts his goodness in the world and all of that and he says that there's a standard where it holds of marriage and it's, it's really a good thing, but there is all the social media and voices and all of that splashing everywhere just telling you you know everything different it can go on and on um, it's if you think about work if you think about work and God's designed for how that man let these guys work let them partner with me in my creation and be an expression of the beauty of creation and let them find fulfillment as they extend my creation genius and all of that so there's the beauty of what God has put in work but there is stressful systems that burnout is real Mental tiredness. Do you get what I'm saying? That it's, Some of you, Sunday like this, but just at the thought of tomorrow is Monday. Ah! It's real. It's there. Or you are in church this morning singing, I trust the Lord, and he answered, I sought the Lord, and all of that. And you know that voice in your mind. Maybe you're even walking out, and as you know, the service closes, that song is ringing, I said and he heard, and he answered. But the problem is there are other things that also ring in your mind. Do you sometimes have like two, the lie and the truth, both speaking in your mind? Um, Am I the only one that has voices in my head? It's only me this morning, okay? Um, It stresses me mentally. And so the question this morning is, what are the chances on every decision you're going to make? What are the chances, close your eyes, what are the chances that you are going to be living out of a good place or a bad place? What are the chances? Because the the liar is in the house and the truth is also in the house. What are the chances that as I'm just trying to react to a situation, I am going to be making a sound decision? What are the chances? What are the chances that as I'm trying to just raise my children, I'm going to be doing it out of a sound place? What are the chances that I'm not just going to be stressed out with work and all of that? There is goodness of God's design, but there is badness in the system. What are the chances that I'm going to live my life from the place where God designs it? When the framework, it's almost like this is my mind that I'm carrying about every day. And I, and I know that the good woman lives in the house, but the truth is there is also the liar that lives in the house. So what are, what are my chances this morning? Sometimes I'm worried and I'm having panic attacks and all of that, and it's really stressful. But, you know, there is... There is every human chance that it's just, yeah, one more news headline is enough to probably just make me panic. Just one more news headline is probably enough to make me fearful about the future. It's not like I don't know any sense of God's goodness. But there's just every one more news headline that can make me fearful, that can make me worried, that can make me anxious, that can just stress me mentally. A teenager somewhere is confused about their sexuality. Not because there's not enough truth in nature. But there's just another voice. It's the lying voice. It's not the absence of the truth. That's what I'm trying to say. That stresses us and confuses us and puts us in all these you know, places. It's not the absence of the truth. I think it's the other woman. There's brokenness. Not because God didn't put enough love in the world. But Mustafa did you shake it. And here you are now, broken. And just that sense of depressed and down and all of that. And I think this is this is the reality of what we deal with. It's not the absence of the truth, but it's the presence of the lying voice. And I can go on and on and how sometimes people can just be sad. Sad. In fact, people, people are so sad that they become angry with people that are happy. Have you noticed? Just, just, just be anywhere in town. Just try this out. Be anywhere in town. I, I start to realize, be anywhere in town. Be with your guys and be laughing. And be laughing very loud and all of that. You just notice people around. Be, leave that place. Move now. Kill the Kill us they become angry that you are happy. It's just this sense of all of us gathered, we should all be sad. So sad. You're going home. Think of how negative you have become. You're going home. You're like, ah, man, I really need light to do. Yeah, I really need light. Then you get to your street and you see light. You're not like, ah, they might soon take it. <laughs> Think of how negative you've become. Now, here's the deal. You know, you know I said? I, I, we're, we're checking today, are you normal as in real normal? Because you can be claiming normal, but perhaps all these things you are doing and you're justifying and it's just like, well, yeah, you just, you know, it's just the way life is. Maybe our normal has shifted. But today what I want to say is that I want normal according to God's creation design. I want the normal of the beautiful plan that God has for my mental health. And this is what we're going to do. Four things we're going to have to do. If we're going to fight for our real normal, four things we're going to have to do. The first thing is that we're going to have to identify the lie. First thing is that we're not just going to sit down First Kings 3 and verse 21 The next morning I got up to nurse my son And he was dead I got up to nurse my son and she said My son was dead My son was dead Do you know the pain, do you know the feeling And all the emotions are already raving My son is dead And she looks at that dead creature And she's like my son is dead But suddenly she says When I examined him closely In the morning light I saw I saw that it wasn't the son that I had born. Here's what I want to say. Do you know that squatter? How many of you know that squatter that moved into your house? You know, you you allowed the person in. The first day, the person was just saying, thank you so much for having me, (laughs) Oha. I can't even believe that you took me off the streets. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Like you so then the person now said, Ah, the, I, you know, you know, this is your house. I don't want to stress you. Hey, can I go and buy food at the junction? You don't know, say, ah, don't worry now. Uh, uh, this is where I keep food now. Just eat. I, I said, Ah, you're so kind. Of. Thank you so much. Eh? And the person even held her back by her side, like, I'm not even unpacking it. Then you showed her where food is. Then two days later, before you even woke up, you saw she was already cooking. You say, well, maybe she's trying to take initiative. But after like three weeks, you are now in this space where where they've even arranged their things. They've changed their email of your sitting room. You are now wondering, who is the real owner of this house? Who is the real owner of this house? Who is the real owner? Have you ever had a squatter that so took over? Anybody? Maybe you had one. <laughs> a squatter that so took over that you are starting to ask who is the real owner. And I kind of feel this is what goes on between the lie and the truth it's amazing how the lie starts to sound so bold. Have you heard some lies in our generation that I'm not even it's not even about the lie, I'm just wondering how are you this bold about it? The lie starts to sound so bold, starts to sound so real that we don't even know what the truth is again. And I feel like we become so familiar and so comfortable with the lie to the point that it can start to seem true and normal. And so it starts to have real estate in our minds. Well, here's what I want to say to everybody this morning. And if you haven't heard anything I've said today, please don't ever forget this. Do not accept in the dark what you have not examined in the light. Don't accept in the dark what you have not examined in the light. In the darkness, the woman said, my son is dead. But she said, when I looked at him in the morning light, I said, no, this is not my son. When I looked at him in the morning light, I said, no, I'm not going to take that light. In the light, I can start to identify the voice of the light. She said, my son was dead in the dark. And the darkness of seasons that you would walk through, the darkness of a generation that we live in, the darkness of moments that we would walk through. Please, friends, don't accept in the dark what you have not examined in the light. Don't accept in the dark what you have not examined in the light. You might have become so familiar with it. You might now feel so comfortable with it. You might have coping mechanisms all around it. But please, when it comes to the state of your life and what God calls you to be, do not accept in the dark what you have not examined in the light. Let us state it clearly this morning. Your heart was not made for brokenness. Your heart was not made for, for pitch patch and, you know, just barely making it by. Jesus said in Matthew 22, do you hear what Jesus said? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. How would I love God with all my heart if my heart is not whole? Your heart was not made for brokenness. Now you have started building all these philosophies around brokenness. You start building all this, you know, and it's just the way I've always been, what I've always known. Now you just have this comfortable space around what was not true. The squatter has taken space in your life and has made itself so comfortable. Friends, don't accept in the dark. You are not designed for this lonely life. Whatever you call it, whatever names you hide it under, God said to Adam, God said about Adam, he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. In God's creation, design, everything God made, he said it was good. The one thing that God, the first time God said not good was when he saw a person that was alone. But God sets the solitary families. Do you hear what the Bible says? Don't accept in the dark what you have not examined in the light. Oh, but this is the way I've always been. I'm just the kind of person. I'm the kind of person. I like to do my own stuff. Alone, I'm. You know, I just come to the church, and but once we are singing closing song, I just the way you even run out of the gate. Who's chasing you? I just just do my stuff alone. Let me tell you where that lie comes from. This is the same lie that the devil sold to Elijah. And Elijah is sitting down and saying, I'm the only one, I'm the only one that has not bowed down. I'm the only one, I'm the only one, I'm the only one. But it is the deception of the devil. Friends, let's put it back in the light of what God calls us, of what God made us. He didn't create us to exist that way, to just sit down in one corner and be depressed in my own world and all of that. God designed us for community, friends. Don't accept in the dark what you have not examined in the light. It is not a personality thing, hear me well. It is not a personality thing. It is counter God's design for your life. Did you hear me? It is not the kind of person I have, the kind of background I have, the kind of upbringing we don't associate. It is counter design, friends. And listen, sometimes the lie has been there so long that the way it's talking, you now say, there must be truth about it. But a lie is a lie. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to identify the lie. We're going to call the lie out. We're going to put the lie in the light, and the lie cannot survive the light. This is not normal. Maybe you've gotten so used to being sad. You're just so used to being sad. You have experience in moodiness. You're just so used to, like, everything is just that when you even see people, there's just a, when you are 100 level, and you, even, you maybe even used to be excited, though. But the way they have shown you, Shaggy, now you are in your final year on campus. And you just derive this sense of all of us must be sad. So you see a fresher who is looking excited. You now say, give them time. (laughs) And maybe now, you you even go to people's weddings. You go to people's weddings. eh? Because of things that happen in your marriage. You now go to people's weddings and say, hey, all these young people, they are just starting. (laughs) What do you mean? Because of the lie that you have lived with. And what I'm saying today is, Let's call the lie a lie. Let's put it in the light. What is not right is not right. Amen, anybody? So let's state it clearly. We're not going to accept in the dark what we have not examined in the light. We'll not accept in the darkness of a generation a false identity statement over our lives. We'll not accept in the darkness of a season of our lives a false conclusion about our lives. That because uh, I wasn't accepted in that job, or because this thing happened, then I am doomed, I'm a failure, blah, blah, blah. We will not accept in a dark season a false conclusion. And so when I say examine it in the light, what is the light that I'm talking about? Psalm 119 verse 105, it says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is a light. God's word starts to reveal things. It starts to reveal truth to us. I'm saying let's examine our lives in the light of scripture. I'm not just saying how you feel or what you think is good for yourself. I'm saying let's examine in the light of scriptures because now we live in a world where we've associated the concept of mental health with our own happiness. So you don't say what makes you happy, but no, you don't know what makes you happy. God's word teaches us real joy. Are you hearing me this morning? So you are working a job because they corrected you on your job. They corrected you for what you did wrong. You say, man, it's affecting my mental health. I'm out of here. What's wrong with you? You You're just lazy. You're just lazy. The relationship, because you're just trying to iron out things, a mature conversation. You say, man, I need a break. My mental health. My mental health. I'm not saying examine it in the light of your happiness. I'm saying examine it in the light of God's truth. What does God call us to be? What truth are we building our lives on? God's word is our light. God's word is our light. Turn the light on when you feel burnt out. My job is stressing me and all of that. Put the light of God's word on it. God does not call us to this life of burnout and tiredness and all of that. It is wrong. It is a lie. Stop justifying it. I have to do all of this to just... to to help my family. Somebody's got to do it. Do you know what you're struggling with? It's called a messianic complex. You think you can be messiah. There's a place you need to come to and say it's wrong. It's wrong for me to overwork myself. It is wrong. Are you hearing me this morning? Put it in the light of God's word. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. He says, I will not put on you any burden that is ill-fitting. He says, come and rediscover how to live freely and lightly. You say, no, I'm going to live heavily and burdened. So I'm burnt out. And you know how we work like a badge, a credit? You know, like, man, I'm so stressed. Put it back in the light. A lie is a lie. Are you hearing me? The problem is the squatter has become comfortable. The squatter has become comfortable. We're so used to her that she's saying it. And we're also saying, ah, she must know what she's saying. And I'm telling you, we live in a generation where people will lie. maybe you have that friend that when they lie ah, ah. so I know I know the Bible talks about Satan lying but you hear some of your friends lying ah you feel they've done internship with Satan like like deep we've got to put depression in the light of God's word it's not right occasionally it's not right it's my period it's not right Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the paths of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Stop that lie that the devil sells to you. I'm the only one in my office that is a good Christian. I'm the only one in my neighborhood that can I'm the only one. Who told you you you're the only one? It's just a a lie that we accept and we make so comfortable. And so Elijah became tired. I feel like Elijah was deceived by his anointing. He became tired but believed that because he was anointed. Became tired and started to live lonely and depressed and make poor decisions. Poor decisions. Poor decisions. Now, Elijah is running away from Jezebel. Why? From a message she sent, not even from any real threat. This is the same guy that just killed prophets about 850 that is calling down fire from heaven. What's your problem, Elijah? Why are you running away? You know what happened? That one message from Jezebel triggered something. Mental health experts will tell you about how many times people have like a threshold and it's like a trigger that can just set things in motion. And all that happened now is that Elijah got a message that triggered. And so he starts running away and he starts making all these suicidal statements and saying, God, kill me. I'm no better than my father's. Where's the rope? And all of that. Just want to say, Elijah, you are not. if you read through your scripture, you're not the first to be tired. But you don't have to die for your tiredness. Exodus 17 verse 12, look at Moses. Moses' hands became heavy. Moses was tired, but He didn't end tired. They took a stone and put it under him. Day, do you have a day? Do you have a day? Day, put a stone under him. He was tired. His hands were heavy. He put a stone under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady. Same person whose hands were heavy, his hands became steady because he had a day. This is what I'm trying to say, friends. Even when the lie has not been silenced, get me well, sometimes the lie is still speaking, but don't accept it as truth. I'm not saying that you have silenced the lie, but I'm saying even when you are still hearing that voice and you are even struggling with it, don't accept it as truth. Identify the lie as a lie. When you are struggling with worry, don't call it normal. When you are struggling with anxiety, don't call it normal. Don't identify the lie as a lie. Even where it's systemic, where it feels like, you know, maybe it's even hereditary, it's blah, 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 all of that. Don't accept it as the truth. The lie is a lie. Whether it's been all your life, all of that. Again, we can, we can put it in the light of objective conversations, objective atmosphere. Psalm 73, um, the psalmist says in verse 16, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful until I went into the sanctuary of God. He's telling a sad story, but how that just coming into the right atmosphere starts to put light in the things that in the darkness we were going to accept, okay? Second thing I want to say um, is that first of all, we are going to have to identify the lie. We must identify the lie. Look at somebody and say, you must identify the lie. All right, the second thing we're going to do, the second thing we're going to do, first of all, we're going to identify the lie. Secondly, we're going to confront the lie. We are going to confront the lie. So in 1 Kings 3 and verse 22, the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is yours and the living one is mine. And thus they spoke before the king. Now listen, the woman did not say, man, I can see that I've been cheated, though. And then she just died crying. How many many of you can relate to that? Like when they cheat you, you (laughs) know, She didn't just start crying. She didn't just start throwing tantrums. She didn't just start blogging about it. She confronted the lie. She didn't just start talking about how unfair and blah, blah, blah. She confronted the lie. What we're going to do, we are going to confront the lie. Listen, friends, we're not called to just throw pity parties. Life is not fair. I know life is not fair. I know. Listen, life is not fair. Eh? Does that answer it? It's not fair. Because that's all you've been saying, but like it's not. Hey, I know we all agree. Your office is that I know it's not fair. All of us are gathered here this morning, and you are you are thinking life will be fair. What are we gathered in? An innocent man was killed for us. And you are waiting for life to be fair. God Himself is not fair. Did you hear what I said? He put his son on the cross for you. Is it fair? It's not fair. But well, listen, God is just. So he treats us on a sameness of scale in every generation. But he's not trying to be fair to give everybody the same. Life is not fair. Stop throwing pity parties. We are going to confront the lie. This woman didn't just sit down and start saying it's not fair. They took my child. Why did they do that? Blah, blah, blah. It's unfair. I've been cheated. She confronted the lie. Listen, friends, we must call out the lie. We can't merely be stating, uh, you know, this is a lie. And I really feel it's unfair. We must call out the lie. We need to be establishing what is true, you know. There's a lot of badness in our generation, but we must call out the lie. Somebody say, in the name of Jesus. Say, falsehood is not going to have my mind. Say, in the name of Jesus. Now mention it, whatever applies to you. Say, depression will not have my mind. Burnout will not have my life. In the name of Jesus, anxiety, fear will not have my mind. Call out the lie. It will not. It will not have my life. Listen, friends. Here's what the lie cannot stand. The lie can stand; it can survive tantrums. Eh? The lie can survive pity parties. It will even join you and cry with you. But the lie cannot survive the truth. So the third thing we're going to do is that we're going to establish truth. We are going to establish the truth. We're going to stand our ground. On the truth. We're going to hold an affirmation of the truth. I want to ask you this morning it's one thing to say there's falsehood and there's all of that dealing with my mind and all that I'm dealing with, but I want to ask you this morning what truth are you holding over your life? establish truth over your life. When worry and anxiety comes and all of that, and the light starts telling you maybe things are going to go wrong, and you just hearing all those thoughts, all those voices. It's like in every random pick, I, I never know. Sometimes I'm just going home after a great service, and I never know what thoughts are going to pop up again, and maybe you just start feeling out, oh, maybe I'm not even going to make it. Maybe something is going to go wrong. My question today is, what truth are you establishing? You start to say Psalm 119 verse 165. It says, great peace, have them that love your law and nothing will cause them to stumble. Did you hear that? Nothing will cause them to stumble. I start to establish truth over my life. I refuse to allow. This is how I confront the lie, by establishing truth. Nothing causes them to stumble. That voice comes and starts telling you you're never going to be free from the porn addiction. You're never really going to be able to get your way straight. You're never going to make a relationship work and it's just stressing you out and now you're living in anxiety. Now you're living in fear. Now you're just pressured in all the wrong ways. We start becoming afraid that our lives will not amount to anything and we start reacting in wrong ways and making poor decisions but you know what we're going to do? We are going to start to establish God's truth over our lives 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I love verse 8 it says God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always, somebody say always, having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So you know what I start to say? I start to declare that in the name of Jesus I have everything that I it takes to be what God calls me to be. I have everything it takes to live the life God calls me to live. I have everything it takes to thrive in the life God calls me. I will come short in nothing. I start to establish God's truth over my life. Let me give you a secret, friends. Nobody, nobody successfully worries less. Nobody does. Nobody reduces their worry quota. You know what we do? We trust more. All we can do is that we can start to affirm something. Nobody is going to reduce the quota of worry, and all we do is that we establish ourselves in trusting. Maybe you are starting a new week at work again, and it's another Monday, and as you're even sitting here, you're already thinking, man, Monday. Maybe you have an exam. Maybe you have a situation, something that is just popping, and there's already that sense of worry welling up. You know what you need? It is not to pull the worry, it is to raise up truth. It is start to affirm my trust that the hands that hold me are stronger than everything that surrounds. That the one who I've committed myself to is better and is stronger and is working his purpose. All things will still work together for the good of them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. It doesn't matter the economy, it doesn't matter the situations, it doesn't matter what's going on around. I know that it is going to work together for my good because I love God and I'm the called. So I start to establish my heart in the truth of what he calls me to. That's what we see with the woman. She starts to establish truth. And here's what we see with her, and I'm grateful for, that in establishing truth, she gets to a point where it's beyond me. It's beyond me. I've argued all I can with the lie, but the lie is still shouting back. I'm refusing to allow the lie. I'm confronting the lie, but the lie is arguing back. You know what she does? She runs to a king. She runs to her king to help her in establishing truth. I'm grateful that we can get help in establishing truth. She runs to the king. Let me say this to everybody. Getting help is not a sign of weakness, it is a mark of wisdom. Getting help is not a sign of weakness, it is a mark of wisdom. She says, this is beyond me, but I'm going to get help. Because whatever it takes to establish the truth, see, whether it's me sitting down with a mentor, whether it's me sitting down in therapy, whether it's me sitting down with a counselor, getting help is not a sign of weakness, it is a mark of wisdom to establish truth. That's why I'll get any help I need to get, because I want to establish truth. I want to establish truth. I'm refusing the lie. I'm refusing to say that's who I am. I'm refusing to say that's what my mind was made for whatever it takes the woman runs to the king and she says there's help in establishing truth the woman in her struggle remembers that she has a king and people can I remind us today we do have a king and he is still on the throne Jesus is still pleased to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And some of you are going to cry out to God this morning and say, God, help me. But if anything, I'm refusing to allow the lie to call itself an owner in my mind. That's the point for me. So if it's to call out to God and say, God, help me. If it's to be seeking help, and, and the, king, the king offers her unusual help. The king offers help. He brings out his sword. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like. It might not always go the way I want it to go. But I know that I have a king who is good enough to help me overcome the lie in my mind. The fourth thing I'm going to say, and I'll soon close, um, please come on the keyboard, is that we need to nurture. First of all, I've said we need to identify the lie. I've said we need to confront the lie. I've said we need to establish truth. And fourthly, we need to nurture and grow the truth. You see, for this woman, she went home with her baby. And what an exciting moment when the king says, don't kill it, give it to the real owner. And so she's going home with her baby. That's exciting, isn't it? That's exciting. But the story can't end there. Because remember, they came from the same house. So what would it be like for you if you were that woman? As you are making ready to go home. You know that there's a real person who is against your child. You're not just going to leave food stuff anyhow in the house. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe somebody is going to finally have to pack out of that house. Amen? Maybe somebody is finally going to have to be blocked on my my contacts. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe Maybe there are practical decisions I'm going to make to say, man, I'm going to protect this truth. I'm not going to allow this truth to just be risked and then tomorrow again we'll start a new fight over it. I'm going to make every practical decision that I need to make to protect the truth. You know, truth is not just an idea. Truth is not just a feeling. Truth is a person jesus said in john chapter 14 and verse 6 he says i am the way i am the truth and i am the life truth is a person and what did it have been like for you if you were the earthly parents of that person and so as you walked with him and you know this is truth when he was two years old and he wasn't yet walking on water he wasn't yet you know raising the dead and all of that but we know that in this person there's just a the sound of heaven this is truth i can imagine how they will protect him and how joseph was running to egypt with his son truth is a person and the Bible says these beautiful words in Luke 2 and verse 52, that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So they were creating atmospheres for truth to grow. They protected it. They fed it. They invested in it so truth could grow. Truth became mature in their house. So I'm asking you today, is the truth of Jesus in you? Is it a toddler or is it mature? Is truth in you protected? Is it exposed in all the wrong ways? We must nurture We must protect truth they exposed in all the wrong ways. To all the wrong people. To all the wrong conversations. To all the wrong arguments. We must protect and not your truth. I don't want truth in me to just be a toddler crying. I want to see those beautiful words about my life also. That he increased in wisdom and in stature. I want truth in my life to increase in stature. I want to be more grounded and firm about truth. Amen, anybody? Amen. Amen. That's what I learned today. Thinking about our longing for peace. We're dealing in a real world wherever you are on that journey, and all the trouble that surrounds, we deal with the real world. Systems have a way of just throwing themselves and just crowding out what becomes my mind. And so what was are bad ball? Blue. Blue was the bad. This was the good. So it's almost like we live in a real world, and for all the goodness of God pouring in my life and all the truth I'm trying to hold, there is just always so much of this. And so we're looking for peace in our minds. So, as you carry your mind around and all that your mind is, we're looking for peace. But it feels so troubled. It feels so overwhelmed. And every random decision I'm trying to make and pick out and say, what are the chances? What are the chances that it will be good? It comes out bad. What are the chances that maybe it does come out good? But again, what are the chances? And maybe it does sometimes, but again. What are the chances? But friends, you know, we live in that kind of real world. We're longing for peace, peace in our minds, peace in our homes, peace in all that life is. Let me suggest to you this morning that peace, peace is not just in a plan. Peace is not in a program. Peace is not in just some attempt that we can make. I want to suggest to you today that peace is a person. Peace is a person. Peace, peace is a person. Peace this is a person so as you are trying to figure out all of this and all the tension that it puts you in sometimes and all of this and making decisions and doing real life you know you know what a person did for us a person himself absorbed into himself our grief and our sorrow and our loneliness and and he was upon that cross crying that i'm forsaken he absorbed in himself all the pain and the injustice he took it all in himself a person did it for us then then says to us in ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 it says he himself is our peace so i know he does give us peace In Romans 5 verse 1, he says, now he he makes us at peace with God. He he gives us peace with God. He gives us the peace of God in our hearts to rule. But you know what he also does is that he himself becomes our peace. So he absorbed it on himself. Every reason, every justification you feel for that life, everything in that box, he holds it for you. And he says, I am your peace. So how will you live in peace? Should I tell you how? Isaiah 26 verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Where he goes, you put your mind there. Where he turns, you put your mind there. Where he, where he stops, you stop there with him. Where he advances, you advance. You stay. Your work looking for peace is not looking for a better program, it's looking for a person. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind state. There's trouble in the world, but he absorbed it all in himself so that we can have peace. Friends, if we would keep our eyes on him, then we will truly really live in peace. So he then says to us in John chapter 14, he says, you know, there's a kind of peace that the world can give. In John 14, listen, verse 27. Peace, I live with you. My peace, my own peace. I, 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 I take all of this so that I can give you my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. There's a peace the world can give. The world tries to make all these false promises of peace. You know, I'm struggling in my mental health. They'll tell you, you know, ah, don't be anxious again. eh? Don't be worried. Do you think I was trying to be worried? I say, you know, don't be fearful. <laughs> there's a peace the world can give. But you see, there's what the Bible describes as a peace that passes understanding. And let me tell you, I live in a world where shaky passes understanding. So I need peace that passes understanding. not the world type. I need a peace that passes on that. And he said, I give you my own peace. He said, in this world, you would have tribulations, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I, I, it's me, I have overcome the world. You might be in a struggle today. You might be really worried. You might be going through situations. You might be dealing with things today, but what I'm inviting you to, I might, I might not understand the extent of what weighs on your mind. I may mean, not understand the extent of where the world has put you and the things that you're dealing with. There's real pain in the world. but What I'm saying is that in Jesus, we have a sufficiency to look to. He himself is our peace. And he has done everything it takes to make us a people of peace so so listen to the wordings how Paul starts to write his letters Paul would say in, in, in Ephesians 1 and verse 2 Paul would say grace and peace grace to you and peace from God our father all his letters again in Galatians 1 look at, look at the wordings again Galatians 1 verse 3 grace to you and the peace from God the father and uh, he would say grace and peace because Jesus comes to us in a revelation of a grace that is taking you to grounds. and some of you are thinking about the next seasons of your life and you're thinking about what God is bringing you to, and you're thinking of what the grace of God will do and it is making you lose peace but no, God's grace will not take you to places where his peace will not keep you. God's grace will not bless you with what his peace will not establish you in. God's grace comes with peace. So it says grace to you and peace. Peace is a person and he's faithful to it. Amen. Jesus, today we turn our eyes to you. Today I pray for every single person, tired, heavy, overwhelmed, was feeling the weight of life, Feeling the pressure, the strain, the stress, burned out, <sighs> hurting, grieving, lonely, negative. Today, Jesus, speak your peace. That's who you are. Open our eyes today to see you. Now show our hearts in how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask Rosaline to sing a song.
2: Jesus. You want it? remains truth Even when my mind wreaks havoc I will be still You keep, peace is a promise.
1: every voice come on
2: peace by beyond all understanding let
1: it flow and you really believe that anybody me. come on all anxiety, all anxiety okay. in the, the presence, presence
2: of Jesus the keeper of peace and peace is a promise
1: single anxiety bounds again come
2: on
1: somebody take authority this morning it's gonna
2: bow every step the light's gonna bow in the presence come on
1: Now if you're comfortable too, we you lift your hands and say, I claim the peace of God in my life. I was made for peace. Come on. I was made for peace. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to accept the lie. I'm not going to accept what is less than. I'm not going to accept allowing the lie to take hold in my mind. I'm not going to accept that voice of depression and negativity and burnout and stress and all of that. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not. I not what for that's not his creation design today i take authority in the name of jesus i call out the lie somebody you got to do that i call out the lie this is not the life he made me for this is not the life of worry that he designed me for i'm calling out the lie this morning i'm declaring that in the name of jesus i will be all that god calls me to be i will live in the full experience that he made me for Somebody take authority this morning. Somebody refuse the lie. Claim the peace of Jesus. I stay my mind on you, Jesus. I stay my heart on you, Jesus. You are sufficient in every season. He himself took our sorrows. Today I stay my mind on you. I know you suffered loss. I know you've been grieving. But honestly today, I pray you will see a sufficiency and a peace in Jesus it's never about what walked away it's about a Jesus that never walked away it's never about what you lost it's about a Jesus that is sufficient in every season somebody say in the name of Jesus I will live the life that he caused me to live I am minded in the right ways in the name of Jesus I will be Oh, that God calls me to be. Maybe this morning you feel like that woman. You've been in an argument with the lie. And maybe this morning all you can do is to run to your king and say, God help me. God help me. God help me. I'm not choosing. To, I'm choosing to live the life you called me to. God help me. God help me. Fear is ruining my life. God help me. Depression is weighing me down. God help me. If anything today, I do not accept it as a standard. God help me. God help me. God help me. God help me. He himself is my peace. God help me. I found Come on, everybody, sing this out loud.
2: All anxiety,
1: bow today. In the the presence of Jesus, the keeper of peace. The peace is a
2: promise,
1: Jesus. I pray that every eye would see you again today, Jesus see everything that surrounds we see all the world fills in but today Lord let us see you keeper of peace prince of peace faithful one thank you Jesus I'm going to make an invitation in a moment one last thing I want to say I just want to challenge you as Christians you know, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, it says that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. It says that he who sows to the flesh would of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. It says God cannot be mocked whatever a man sows that he is going to reap. I just have one last thing I can do to encourage everybody this morning. Is to encourage you to sow peace because It's so abounding in you through Jesus. So let's not be people in a world that is so troubled that just repeats the narrative. Let's be people that sow a peace of Jesus in our hearts to a world. And the truth is, as we do that, we reap peace. We sow rest, we reap it. Don't aggravate tension unnecessarily. Don't broadcast everything negative just for information. Sow peace so wholeness so a rest for people's minds and I believe that of that we would also reap while we stay standing I want to make an invitation for somebody this morning who says I don't know Jesus in a personal way maybe you know about him maybe you come to church maybe you're new it really doesn't matter But maybe you don't know real peace in your life because you don't know Jesus you don't know what it means when we say that a Savior absorbed the guilt of our sin man we were all guilty but he took it in himself that's why we know peace maybe you don't know what that means and you want today to be that day that you can surrender your life consciously to jesus you can start a new journey but jesus is a giver of peace in your life i don't know who you are how you came to church today but my heart goes out to you because this is a troubled world (laughs) this is a broken world Where would we turn to? Who would we turn to? There's only one that can take it in himself for us. And if anybody here today has a right standing, if anybody here today has found peace, It's because we found Jesus. So I don't know who you are, but if you would say to me today that I'm not in the right place with God through Jesus, maybe at some point in your life, you had made a decision to follow him, but today you know you're far away. You're living life for what it is. You've lost the way with God. You're living in sin. Whatever, you're not in the right stand with God this morning. You want to make it right with God. I'm going to count to three. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to count to three. Where you are, I want you to put your hand on your chest. Jesus loves you. He knows the worst, but today he's inviting you to his best. Are you ready? one two three where you are put your hand on your chest he sees you he knows you and a miracle is happening in your life already god bless you if you're doing that god bless you anybody else want to join in this is a miracle whether you're in this building or you're online anywhere just put your hand on your chest god sees you he knows you and he wants to bring you back home today thank you for your sincerity everybody doing that that is a miracle happening in your life right now you know what this is a family of the crowd we're going to say prayer together i'm going to lead you in saying a prayer if your hand is in your chest i want you to say with all boldness and everybody in the church, can we join in together? We're family, not the crowd. Can we all say together, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your Son Jesus. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He's the Savior of the world. Say, today I boldly declare Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Say, please forgive me of the past. Please give me a whole new start. Fill me with your peace. Establish me in righteousness. In the name of Jesus, say, I declare that I'm a child of God. And one day, I'll be with you in heaven. And everybody said amen. 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 Congratulations. Can we congratulate everybody? pray that prayer this morning congratulations
0: thank you so much for joining us here at sycamore church if you pray that prayer at the end we are so excited about your decision for jesus and we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him so please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash jesus There, you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you are listening or visit www.sukamo.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.